Hey friends, this is a fun time of year if you're a college professor or if you're a family living on a college campus like mine is. Stacy and I are getting to see the smiling faces kind of popping out from behind some masks as people are packing up, getting ready for a summer. Some of them getting ready for new lives as they're going to graduate. Sometimes, inevitably, around this time of year, people are reckoning with relationships, some breakups, some proposals, that sort of stuff can uh, really, uh, really make finals week uh, extra interesting. But one of the things that happens in spring, friends, as you know, is cleaning, spring cleaning. And we are going to dig into our inbox and make sure that we have covered some of the questions that we didn't get to yet this season, this year. And, uh, and part of that is us being able to, to think through in more concrete ways how these, these themes and these ideas we've been talking about in the last three seasons can help us to apply some, some good love and healing in our daily lives. But this show, we're calling it Our Hearts to Yours. It's really focused, though, on one particular email exchange we had with a, a listener. We really appreciate the vulnerability, the, the honesty, the candidness, all of that of this letter. So we thought it would be helpful if we responded to Tim's question with a, with a prolonged meditation and conversation because we realize that it's probably very likely that many of you have had similar thoughts. This is our moment for us to really thank you for being listeners, for, for sticking through some of these hard conversations. But we're going to talk from the bottom of our hearts to, to Tim. But it is our hope that through responding to Tim's questions, we will be able to reach your heart with hope, joy, peace, and the pursuit of happiness. Come along for the ride. Glad you're with us. Let's go. All right, baby, let's just jump right into it. We're never going to cover everything we think we're going to cover. We never do. It's you overwhelming. Know. <laughs> we get summer. It's I, like summer we're going to finish two books and get everything ready for the next year and take a nice break and fish. I know. It's so many things cramming all into one little thing, right? So and I'm going to figure out so how many, to really use my synthesizer skills. There's so many expectations. We're going to uh, also, the drone, we're going to master that too. We're going to figure out how to make the drone work <laughs> that we've had. We're, we want to be cool like these, these kids that have their drones that follow their vehicle. We bought a drone that could follow yeah. our vehicle and take cool high definition video of us going yeah, through the forest. Yeah, I just had a, a somewhat a traumatic experience with our drone. I think we talked about it on the show a while back, but yes, and then we got the replacement it drone. Flying. It just flew away and then we got a new one that didn't fly away or else we're not sure. Well, I'm not sure actually. I haven't <laughs> fully been able to Let get it out it to, of the we have not actually unwrapped so it. So I'm a little worried. And no, I did unwrap it. Okay. Um, and I started the process. Oh, you did. It had warning signs already on it, so <laughs> I was like, ah, I I felt like it would it would be failure. Um, you know, I was just going to set myself up for failure again if I did it at least at that location when I looked into it. And then I put it in its box. Yeah. And I think I just like put it off into a corner and then we got busy. Maybe so. we'll feel better about ourselves. Maybe we'll have a lot of motivation after the end of today because we'll have at least started one thing and that is clearing out, clearing the decks of questions that we really want to get to. 
and so uh, let's jump into it. The first one is actually from a student named uh, Kaylee, and Kaylee's so cool, and uh, just these questions came up in a conversation at a, uh, at a Qui Bono retreat, something we do here at Concordia University, Irvine, where I work, and, uh, and we were talking about who we are, our identity, and what kind of students we are trying to create, and so my, my answer to the kind of student I'm hoping to create or cultivate, I'm not creating them, but I'm <laughs> saying like, what is, it, what is it that we're trying to do? What is the goal is what I'm, you're saying? I'm, I'm saying that I don't think a lot of people agree with me for a variety of reasons, but my goal is that all students will learn to be happy and free. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's always what I've thought. That's what it is. I need to help find a way to help young people, help all of us as a community, help the world to be happy and free. Yeah. That's why we call it the liberal arts or why we should. Liberal has to do with freedom. It's not about a certain political persuasion. And in any case, that got me thinking about this show and, and who I really am. I said at first, though, she asked, you know, then, um, who, who are you? Right. So that, that was one of the questions. I said, okay, well, I'm a lore master. And then I said, nah, that's, that's not really right. Um, that's my job right now <laughs> in the history. But what I am, I'm thinking about this. What am I? And then I said, well, maybe, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a Jesus Bodhisattva, an idea we've, we've talked about a little bit on the show, by which I mean this idea of the Bodhisattva vow in what we call Buddhism, of this idea of somebody or a being that has, has seen something, has experienced something or has connected to some reality that we might call ultimate reality, the cosmos, God, spirituality, and yet is not content with that joy or with that peace so long as other people are in a living hell. And to me, that's why Jesus is so important as a teacher, as, um, as, as the Messiah, this guy is saying, we don't leave anyone behind. We go back in, even if it means that we have to face some of that pain ourselves. And that's, that's what we're about, right, Stacey? I mean, isn't that kind of, how, how, would you, how would you take that on? I mean, that's, to me, what at least I'm an aspiring Jesus Bodhisattva, right? Like, I'm trying to, to say that I am not going to rest. Right. Un until all sentient beings are are let in on the secret of good news, yeah, and healing. It's yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I mean, I guess when you know we look around and we're talking with so many students. For again, we've mentioned that you know you've been in this work for decades, and I've been alongside you. Yeah. This whole time. And there is so much suffering that we see. And when it, it yeah. is to me, it, it, it just, it kills me because, you know, you see these little, little sparks, these little, little baby children that are growing up, you know, and, yep. and they're, um, you know, becoming young adults and, and they, they have seen so much pain yeah they, they're hurting and they don't love themselves yeah that's what kills me it really does i i see you see it in their eyes they don't don't love themselves yeah 
and haven't been taught necessarily to do so. Right. I, um, and it, we were, I was speaking with a group of students the other night and I was talking about how they are all unconditionally loved. And I said, you know, that also means loving yourself. Do you love yourself? And then I just saw all of their faces just melt in, in sadness, like almost like, I, I don't know how I could, you know? Yeah. Um, and I realized, you know, I, I'm not talking about like, you know, the superficial self-love. We have right. a lot of, yeah. a lot of love of egos and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, a lot of ego. <laughs> Whatever, you know. A lot of know? boasting. A lot of people, yeah. Like, a you lot know, of fronting. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I'm talking about like in that space when you're actually talking to a student, you know, heart to heart, like, you know, um, and they, they start to talk to you and really get in there. They don't love themselves and they haven't been taught to. And that's what scares me is that there's nothing. In fact, it's actually the opposite. Um, they've been told that they shouldn't love themselves, that they themselves are, you know, these. They're vile. Broken, dark, you know, yep. vile creatures. Um yeah, even some of the ministry to people, you know, I, I saw this on, on Twitter the other day, someone saying, you know, it's kind of fishy when somebody's got a ministry to the broken. Yeah. There's that kind of patronizing thing. And right. we don't want to do that. But I understand, I think, the temptation for people to not get involved because they don't want to do that is there. So, you, no, you get, make a fool of yourself. Do it wrong if you have to. But, but the idea being there are these broken people these disgusting people, we're still going to love them. Isn't that great? You're terrible, but you've got a Jesus blanket on you. Yeah. An invisibility cloak, but we don't want to see you. Go no, back into uh, previous shows on the shadow self and so forth. This idea of loving your actual self, confronting your actual self, that that is how you can be resilient. And uh, in any case, biographically though, I thought, well, you know, this actually helps me to understand why we're doing what we're doing now in a way. Because if you go back to the earliest uh, episodes of the podcast. I recounted my oft-told story about how I ran away from school in 1986, uh, Christian school, and dedicated my life from then on to outfoxing religious wolves. That's what I've been doing since 1986, and not always so well, because sometimes they've got me, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm dancing close to the wolves, and they've got me a few times. And in, in some big ways, right, they've got me in the, in the, the meta <laughs> story mm -hmm. of, of my life. But anyway, what was I doing? So what I got into in the old days was discernment, the idea of discernment ministries, discernment ministries. And where I got this was for a young guy that was saying, okay, I'm supposed to try to fight these cults. That's what I want to do. Where do I learn to do this? Well, there was this little radio show that I used to listen to all the time, religiously, haha. <laughs> um, the Bible the Answer Bible Man, Answer Man yeah. broadcast. And I, oh, oh, just love that because you had these scholars and they were going to bring scholarship to bear on questions of tomfoolery and they were going to fix the problem with academics. Yeah. And that's why I got into teaching and that's why I got into academics really is because I said the way to do this is to understand the systems and the principles and the ideologies and the history of all of this mess. How did we get into this mess historically? If we can figure that part out, maybe we'll understand better how to to extricate ourselves. And so then I said, well, I need to go get some degrees so that I can be a smart badass like these guys on the Bible Answer Man. Now, 
you know, that whole thing uh, that there was a time when that was really into kind of what they call apologetics and discernment and countercult stuff. And, and, uh, you know, shows have a way of kind of ebbing and flowing in terms of their, their context and, and the way they're operating. But to this day, I thought that that is the angle, the idea of discernment ministry or something was the angle that allowed me to start to look at the structures of my own world, my own theological world. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there was a lot of cultiness going on from start to finish in my own life, even as we were bouncing from lily pad to lily pad, trying to get away, we thought from the religious wolves. Ah, they're in the evangelical world. Let's just pop over here to the Calvinists because they believe in grace. Ah, there's this whole other bait and switch over there. Let's pop over the Lutherans because they believe in grace for realsies, you know. And But there's all this cultural baggage and there's all the institutional baggage. And we were young kids. We didn't become Lutherans for any other reason than we said, okay, let's look at the options. This one tends to make more sense of the paradoxes in the scripture. And you just kind of choose that that's what you think is a faithful way of understanding the Bible. But you don't realize that there's also families with last names that matter yeah. and, and, and cultural issues and things. And we've always kind of been outsiders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outsiders, but right in the middle of it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And so sometimes kind of like, you know, we get sometimes brought into things that we're not sure we actually really signed up for mm. cultural issues, mm-hmm. contextual, you know, issues anyway. So that's who I am. I'm this kid who's trying to figure out, how to unplug the machine that is hurting my friends. Yeah. These children who are pastors, kids, missionary kids, just Christian kids that were miserable, sad, doing drugs and wishing that they would be somewhere else. And that's, those are my people. And that's what we do this for. And really, so yeah, I'm a history prof, you know, and, and, I, and I do things like that, and we're, we're working at the college, and we do these things. But really who I am, as far as what I do, what's my, what's my personal agenda, it's this. With you, friends, thank you for being with us on this show, because this is what, care, what we care about. From the bottom of our hearts, it's our heart to yours. That's what this show is about. So the other thing she asked, I want to ask to you now, Stacy, Kaylee, what's the difference or what's the relationship between happiness joy, and this thing that we talk about every time, peace upon peace. Mm-hmm. How do those interact and are they different? Well, it's interesting because when I look in, as you know, just, I mentioned before how I just, I didn't have peace, right? I've been always on this quest for peace, especially when I, what, like mid thirties or whatever. And I'm sitting there going, yeah. wow, we've been at this for a really long time. And not only do I feel like I don't have peace. I'm further from it. And we weren't very happy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like how, I mean, how can happiness even enter in when, when, you, don't when you don't have peace, first of all? Um, and, you know, and I was looking just to, you know, I was just kind of doing a little silly dictionary definition to see, you know, it's like, sometimes I'd like to, I don't like it when students start with the Miriam Webster, but all right. <laughs> no, but, but when you're picking apart a yeah. word and like the whole thing, and I like to see and, and hear it described in different ways or whatever, but silence is one way for peace. Um, another thing is nonviolence, you know, there's yeah. sometimes the thought of, you know, the thought is sometimes that I think with the nonviolence part, 
um, there are times when I think you unfortunately do need to break peace in order to stand up for yeah. It, if if you can't stand up for yourself, uh, then at least no stand justice, up for, no peace. for your your neighbor. Yeah, you know. So there are times when you do have to break that silence. That you know. Right. Um, but the nonviolence part uh, it reminds me of when we did our show on what was it like the what it was the word that Lao Tzu used non. Um, we're not talking about Wu Wei. No, um, no, there's the three things, the three treasures. Oh, yeah, yeah. Non-domination. Non-domination, that's how we translated it. Yeah, non-domination. And Not when... trying to destroy and consume and lustfully gobble up like monsters other people. Right. And any time that I realize that, um, that there's, there's times where we do these violences against each other, right? Like I... I can break our peace and and do a, a you know a, a violence upon you right mm-hmm. um, whatever that might be I mean I could li- literally like try to trip you I wouldn't do that of course right <laughs> um, but anyway so there there are so many things that come into that space of the 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 non violence and I think that um, because we are constantly trying to control people or we have an agenda, um, that kind of thing, you know, that then whether we mean to or not, it does create these little violences against other people. It does disturb their peace, your own peace, that kind of thing. So there's, there's that, that, that peace part of being able, um, to, I think be able to, uh, own completely and wholly who you are. Mm hmm. And, and love that you. Yeah, and love that you. And face that you. Yeah, all of that, right? Like, because it's, I mean, it's not always pretty, right? I mean, it, you know, there was a, an episode I was listening to. It's of, always beautiful. You're always beautiful, but it ain't always pretty. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But there was, I heard somebody, just, uh, I don't know, you're listening to something, and they said, think back to the first time that you told yourself you were ugly. And who is that you like what age did that happen mm-hmm. you know and i don't know like well, don't, what's the answer for you for me it, it, there's a nine-year-old stacy i don't know why nine okay we're back maybe you don't want to play along with us <laughs> <laughs> nine-year-old stacy just uh yeah just um, let you know that that you were sad <laughs> Yeah. So I, you know, I know that's another area for me to explore more, you know, yeah. and I think that that's, you know, whatever, what is going on at your life at that time, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. I think that that's not something to ignore, you know, um, and, you know, and, and there's obviously so many things that go into that, you know, um, is it just physical appearance? Is it, you know, who you are? Like, I mean, there's so many pieces to that when you, you know, yeah. um, what about you? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, it's in high school. It was when, it was when we were in Washington, DC and I was having a good old time and I just smiled. I'm like, I got friends and we were having a good time. We, we had just started dating you and I, Yeah. all the band, all my rock and roll buddies were playing. We were just walking down the street of Washington, DC, just having a grand old time. And then one of our friends uh, kind of came up behind me and pulled my pants down. And then, uh, and then a lot of the, the students made fun of me. I was, you know, 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was totally there. I was just totally there naked. And so like body image issues, like yeah. that was not. That's a big deal. Yeah, it wasn't. I was not. Uh, I was not in a, in a in a mood to be judged. So let me ask you this, though. Yeah. And I, I mean, really I really did internalize it. And it, that it, it was a did. Huge, I know that was a huge, huge deal yeah, for you. Yeah. Um, I am curious, though. Like, so you're telling me all of those times um, that when you're going up for Hollywood and then they're telling you you no. got to fix your teeth. And no, my problem was, no. I was just curious. Cause no, th- I, I had lot. this stupid idea that I was going to be, like, playing the next, like, in the next Star Wars series that I, that. I was fine. I just needed to fix the teeth and the hair, but like I was fine. Okay. That's good. <laughs> I didn't think I was ugly. I just Cuz I just know that they can be brutal. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, like yeah, the way told... they pick you apart, but you know. I, and... You know, I knew it. I knew the I knew the drill. I had been to the classes. I knew I knew it was a it was a, you know, in a, in a sense, right? Like I But see, I wasn't a girl. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that um, my silliness or my boldness or my hey you know cherry coke you know is gonna that's gonna carry the day yeah and there is a different level of weight that's put on the young girls you've got to be pretty like that is your commodity mm-hmm. so it's all about that yeah. and they're gonna be ruthless with you especially if you're being seen as like that's your commodity yeah you know you could you that get makes sense. there's some. There's some Zach Galifianakis's out there that can get some work. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm the Zach Galifianakis of podcasting, you know, just appearance-wise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but, so, so anyway, yeah. So there's something heavy about that, I think. Um, when you recognize at a certain point, when you told yourself that you were ugly, and then, like, you know, how how do you respond after that? You know, what sort of messages have you maybe violences, shall I say, do you keep committing against yourself in that way? Right. And then how many other walls, many, many. walls and Unhealthy layers and eating. labels and everything else that you put on to cover up whatever it is yeah. that we don't want to see. We don't, we want to hide our ugliness, whatever I we think, think that is. I think what that did for me was, it, what that did for me was to say, I am a shameful person. I am like not, I am not worthy. Therefore, I am not going to expect other people to treat me. At that point, it shifted. So, like up until that point, I was a little, little, you know, like precocious wannabe child actor, rock star, right? <laughs> yeah. But that was I, like I, the and performance. I, I got the. I got. I did get. By the way, his um, headshots. I got a signed one. Yes. And it said, "Dear Stacy, have a great life." Well, I didn't know if I'd see you again. Oh, of course not. I know. This Stacy's is... dad helped me to get my actors or my work permit. This is back as in middle school. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So I, I very well remember those. If, those you, days. if you want me to take it back, I'll take it back. If you don't want my headshots, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was totally embarrassing. I... That's totally goofy. And then I wrote you, I wrote you like let I wrote letters to the ladies. Yes, you I would, did. I would write like end of the year letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were quite the womanizer. Yeah, yeah. I no, I, no, I don't. No, I was not the womanizer. <laughs> How dare you? Well, I dated like I dated like maybe three gals. Like, but all that was was me me just being terrible at trying to be clear. Okay, so wrong. I'm terrible at words. I was but a. Can I say wrong? I was a romancer. A ro- yeah, I was a, a romancer. Yes, it, that's exactly. I, I, wrong word. I'm yeah. terrible with yeah, words. Yeah, womanizer would that's thank you. That's why I look words up, you know, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> I was not, in sophomore, I was not a womanizer. No, no, but you did. Okay, so, but you Chased did. Chased young lad. 
you would call like you would call us up in the youth groups and ask yes. if we wanted to like buy something you're trying to sell. You would sometimes, yeah. you know, just share a poem. I would write songs for the ladies. You'd write a song or a poem and, yeah. you know, give it to us. So you, it, yeah. you put your feelers out there, you yes. know. Um, I don't know how many received, I think quite a few received I, I, your you letters, know, right? Yeah. No, but I mean, that's, that's what I thought you were supposed to do with your friends. You were supposed to write them letters. <laughs> you're cute. From the bottom of your heart. Like it what's was, going on? Like, right? I don't know. Sweet, yes. Anyway, we're off track on what makes you happy, but it is, we're either, we're actually closer to the track, which is, you can't have peace if you got self-loathing. Yes. And so... So that's the foundation. Right. Because what you then do is pile on all of these, like I said, layers and all these comforting things, whatever they might be, that aren't really going to give you comfort because no matter what we put over this ugly self that we feel we have inside of us, it unfortunately is not going to do it justice. <laughs> right. There's nothing you can do, right? Um, the only thing you can do is confront it. You can look at it and you can then, you know, look at that self. Yeah. You can love that self instead. And when that, when that self is actually like when they realize that it might be safe to come out and really be who it is that, that they are, peace starts to happen because even if other people are against you or don't like seeing you have this sort of say empowerment or whatever this taking taking yourself you know seriously right respecting yourself um it's this inner peace that you have at least and then ultimately when you can as you relate to people you'll probably melt away some of the relationships that are unhealthy mm -hmm. in your life and you They'll go away. They don't like to see healthy version of you anyway. That is right. And then you'll be surrounded more and more around the people that do love. Your true family. Your, yourself, right? So the kingdom. There's peace there. You start with peace. Mm -hmm. And this is something that once you have it, they cannot take away from you. Correct. You can feel like people are threatening your your day-to-day placidness, peacefulness, but there is a peace that surpasses understanding. This is contentment. And I, after you had said something about this, I wrote this down in my little prayer journal. Uh, a greatly distressing human trap of the mind is to fixate on the gap between my expectations and what is. The key remedy is to acknowledge the state of things, face them because you do no good by running away or ignoring them, but then find contentment in the blessings that remain and that these blessings that remain, these things that are here, this then takes us, we were kind of thinking to the next layer, which would be joy. So I'd say, and by the way, we do not, we are not tying this into Greek terms. I'm not going no. deep in it. We're just kind of thinking this through as All far right. as how we're using it. There's this thing we're going to call peace. That's the bedrock. Can't take it away. Then there are these moments of glimpse. And all like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to just speak from my yeah, heart, right, my right. experience of these right. things. We're That's just, just all in case I'm, people were going to use I'm, this for their, their homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like yeah, you, go, you go, got to go do real research go, and talk to, to psychologists. But yes, but, but, but this, this is kind of a spiritual me, journey. Yes. If you're asking me. Um, and where we're looking where the here, happiness comes, out the difference of the, the between joy, joy yep. and happiness. So there's, there's times when if I'm, you know, I'm hanging out, having a good time and, you know, I got a smile on my face. Like, I got we've had wonderful days that there's happiness there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, it's funny cause even sometimes like 
when we have like our pictures or whatever, like it's pretty obvious, I think, whether we're actually happy versus yeah. when we're not. <laughs> right. And that's true for most people. Well, but I, yeah. And so I'm just saying like, for sure, I see it yeah. very clearly. <laughs> right. But so we have, there's, there's happy, there's happy moments mm-hmm. and the, and there's something about that, that it has a, like a, a beginning and an end <laughs> to it. It's ephemeral, as uh, James would say, the great uh, psychologist of religion, that it's, it, it's, it's, it's ephemeral. What that means is that you grab it, it's like a fish, and you're like, oh, I, I felt it, right, you know? Right, This is like Leonard Cohen when he says there's a crack, a crack in everything, that's how the light gets through. It's, you're seeing some of those lights. And it's really only when I'm totally present in that moment that it, that it surfaces and becomes real happiness and there's a a time when I'm experiencing this happiness that I'll often think this is going to end tomorrow I I, the sunset's about to go down or tomorrow we got to go back to work right you know whatever it is so like there there's like almost like there can be a time and within happiness where I become sort of Mm self-aware of its limited it's Mm -hmm. is it's Duration. Yeah, it's limited duration that I fall out of the happiness. And sometimes it can actually even, you know, bring, make me sad, right? Because I'm right. thinking, oh, this is like, your emotional state. I'm not going to have this tomorrow or whatever, right? But, but it doesn't as, take away your peace. No. And, and, but as long as I'm not self aware or, you know, wanting to hold on to it mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it is, I'm like not grasping or trying to create something. I can't we can't create happiness in the sense that mm. like, I think every time I mean, you, you can do things that will lead to your ability to become happy. Yeah. And, and by the way, Aristotle would say, I will say this a little bit of homework. Aristotle will say, and it was quoted by JFK in a very apt moment when he said he was happy being president, even though he was tired mm-hmm. and stressed is that happiness is defined by the ancient Greeks as fulfilling your calling um, with along the lines of excellence, and to that extent, you're happy. Where you you've done something meaningful, in in relation to other people, family, whatever. That's something that we strive for. That's the human game. But where does joy come in? Like, is joy different in the way we're using it? Well, I see. So, there are moments when, even within the happiness that I can feel the eternal nature. So it, it's not always, it, every time I'm happy doesn't necessarily mean it's going to lead to joy. Mm-hmm. But, and, and and joy. You might not be happy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can feel it. Yeah. Um, but there is, I would say the difference with joy is like, again, that eternal, there's an eternal nature to, to it. There's something that you definitely have, there's a peace to it. Mm-hmm. And then this uh, beauty, I guess, you, that you like can yeah. just feel and know. It's in a, a glimpse moment. of the beatific vision, right? I, as it's the I, eternal. I mention um, a lot of times when we're hanging out with the kids. You know, there's a, a time when I feel this. I feel this this deep joy, and I and I always tell them, I'm like, I call it it's a little slice of heaven, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I do mean I feel like I'm actually like living in heaven in the moment. And it's, it's different. Like I said, it's even different than, you know, than happiness. And it's not, it may not even be over 
uh, like a happy, like it doesn't have to even be a happy occasion. It can be a meaningful conversation that feels like there's this, I don't know, this uh, eternity to it, but then also like there's a depth and like we've had very difficult conversations with the kids sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And yet those moments when you come out on the other side, there's like, okay, like a big sigh of relief. Mm -hmm. And then you can just like, feel what it's like to be in each other's presence yeah and there is for me with love unconditional love there's a deep joy there there's the there's the the thing so so the way i was kind of thinking of it is is peace at the bottom then joy then happiness even though that doesn't necessarily mean that they're they're one's better than the other Mm -hmm. but the way i think of it is peace is something that they can't take from you if you're right now friend if you're in there's the crappiest situation close your eyes take a breath Look inside for a second and tell yourself that you love yourself because you are beloved. You are unconditionally lovable. You have intrinsic value. You're okay with the universe. Or let's say the universe ultimately is okay with you. Yeah. You are beloved. Now, you get that. You can't, if you get that spiritual peace, you get that understanding, you, they can't take that from you. They can sometimes distract you from it, but you know, that's something that you have. Then there are these moments in life of these glimpses of the eternal. I'll call that joy that, that we are tasting a little bit of eternity in this life. And that is something that takes not effort so much as it takes a, a kind of discipline of the, of the perceptions Right. Like that's part of why silence matters when, when you're doing the thing with the students mm-hmm. when we're, we're stretching and reading and praying and getting our minds to be able to notice those moments that are joyful moments. Mm-hmm. And then the final piece is where I think our just life work comes in. And that's happiness. Happiness is something that can be taken from us if you are meant to be a cellist and some gangster comes in and smashes your fingers that's going to make you unhappy in that classical Aristotelian sense that you're not fulfilling this one particular calling that you had, this longing that you had that's for this certain kind of meaning. Right. Now, that doesn't mean you can't find a happiness others, but uh, other places, but happiness is the game of life. Now, what stresses me out about religious communities is many religious communities say it is not. Some people balk at this idea that we're supposed to make people, like help people be happy. And I believe it's because so many religious people that I know are not happy. And so they have essentially given up on the idea and then said that, well, true religion isn't about happiness anyway, is it? Right. Because they haven't experienced they haven't, it. They haven't experienced it. Yeah. And therefore they deny it of others or they're suspicious of others when they have it or they think they're doing something silly or heretical or wrong. I've heard, I've heard people talk in the same way um, about love. It's just like love. Oh, kid, you're going to get married. Yeah, when we were going to get married, you know, there was so many naysayers, you know, of just people that didn't believe in romantic love anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, and so I think that... Um, and I understand. Like, yeah. Where, what do you do when you're in that spot? Also, you made probably life choices that you knew was going to sacrifice your happiness, and you thought that those were the right choices to make. Right. And it's hard for you to think about other people actually being able to make choices of being happy. Yeah. Please, friends, if that's you, 
you've got so much love and compassion for you. Absolutely. Have compassion for yourself, but also do your family and friends a favor and let them also entertain a different way. Well, and that's one the of the things that'll make you happy is helping people say it's okay to be happy. Right. Until if you, yeah, if you love yourself, you don't need to control other people by having them help hold up whatever these layers that you're putting on over you are. So right. we need sometimes to control people. <laughs> we can't allow them to be who they are because they need to be our, I guess, the the thing that is, is helping, the scaffolding, I guess, to our own um, layers that we're, we're covering over the self that we don't love. Right. And if they're not going to be there, if they fall away... You don't have that scaffolding anymore. Yeah, you need like, them. Then you're left slightly less lovable. <laughs> we like those kind of people around just because we know how to situate ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So Kaylee, so Kaylee, we don't know that it's easy to find happiness. We know that it is the right pursuit. I mean, can that's I, can I say that? That's a thing that that is that is your birthright. I know that joy exists. I know that. Like absolute, peace like a river. Yeah, the absolute love exists. I know that, and I know that happiness is a real thing. Yeah. It's not a pipe dream. So don't give up. I don't always. I don't always stay there. Oh man! Enough, oh man! Um, and I wish I could stay there more often. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying us as but human beings. In, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I I know and and until you start working on that inner peace, mm. it, I don't think you're gonna really be able to rest and you can have glimpses and moments yeah. of the, you know but I you don't have know, to have inner peace because hard. when you have a group of people that are the kingdom you, when you get a group of people that have the inner peace then they're not trying to tear you down yeah, then they're, they're lifting you up and we all lift each other up that's, that's what it feels point. like right. and so you'd say well I don't have friends like that then get new friends oh I don't have any at all good keep waiting <laughs> until real friends show up yeah. and do and be discerning the, trust, the trust yourself ones, love yourself the the, other ones, useless as soon as you ever grow a spine and stand up to them when you have to they're going to dump you anyway yep it's always it's just start right it's just out waiting. You. it's yes. it's waiting to happen if you're yes, if you're yes. walking on a tightrope one of these times you're going to slip up Okay, so that's that's the uh, that's the more metaphysical question. Thank you very much to Kaylee. Mm. Kaylee uh, uh, was good to see her on Wednesday as well. Uh, at the uh, the last the last of the year, it was really nice, Stacy. I really appreciated you uh, doing the stretching with Jesus, the Yin Yoga stuff, friends. If you are interested in having uh, uh, Stacy out to do a workshop for your group. Uh, maybe a bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to drink. You want to you do something really groovy. How about a sunset down at uh, Laguna Beach or wherever you are and get, get all your, uh, your friends out and uh, have a little picnic and do some yoga or oh, at your church or at your... A, uh, a workshop. At your, you know, whatever it is. some journaling. You want to do some stuff. That's what we do. And then also, of course, we love to... <laughs> Shameless the, plugs yeah. here. <laughs> well, no, this is what... This is, uh, you know... Also, please, friends, if... Uh, if if you can uh, support us a little bit, throw us a tip just to let us know that uh, that uh, we mean something to you. Most importantly, um, this this is not a money making venture, but we are. Uh, but it is our life venture, right? So part yeah. of this just being able to help pay for pay for the equipment and yeah, the, the hosting and stuff. But we have spent, I'd say, and thank you to all of yes, those that have you. tipped us. So we really appreciate it. Like it. I want it. That's what I'm it's partly like saying. Little, yeah, our little our little heart, our little yeah. Love it means so much to us. <laughs> Just because it's like that idea of like, all right, are there real friends out there? Is there a real kingdom out there doing this? And 
um, I, we can only say that one of the reasons we've been a little bit behind in the last few weeks is there have been just a lot of really tough situations yeah. that we've had to really kind of focus in on. And we're really glad to do it. Helping other people. But there are stuff. some people and, and students and things, you know, this time of year, as I say, this is, a, this is sometimes a time when people kind of having to face some realities. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so anyway, so thank you to those of uh, you who have probably no idea uh, the ways in which just your support of what we're doing just emotionally gives us encouragement and, but gives encouragement to some, some people that, that we get to talk to. Yeah. Right. Like it just, it gives us an opportunity and excuse to be able to do the work that we've always wanted to do. And what other context is there? We're, we're, we're your, uh, we're your older brother and sister. We're, we're your, we're your, maybe you, you, you know, you, you kind of young grandparent type, you know, uh, <laughs> right. but, but like, that's what we want to do. How do we formalize it? Well, that's what we're doing right now. So now let's go to something that is, um, a real heavy question. We, we've taken some time to, th- to think about it because, um, it's an email exchange with a listener that I think we want to share with you so that, um, if you have similar thoughts that we can kind of have a conversation, right? Like this is what we want to do. So, um, would you go ahead, Stacy, and kind of get the, get the ball rolling with the first, uh, in the email exchange? Yeah, so, late in the Virtue in the Wasteland show, it began to feel like you were looking for an exit from the church. Many are. Others, like your last guest, want to burn it down. And this was right after Emily Joy's. Right, so the email came to us after, after our, church, our, hashtag our church, two church two, and, our, and she said sometimes if, it's, if, the, if, the, if the beast isn't working, burn the whole thing down. Like I think in the book she said something like, uh, you know, light the match, look at the bridge, and burn it down. But what she's talking about is that metaphor, not real arson, thank you, we know no, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of, of burning certain bridges. And I will say, so with the, with the Virtue in the Wasteland thing, when, uh, our old, my podcast with Dan Van Voris, we were, we were, we were talking about like, is it worth sticking with it? But we, we did a few shows on why we're still in the game, why, why we're not giving up on it, but make no mistake. Thank you. And, um, the name of the, uh, the name of our listener. So the listener is Tim and uh, really grateful, Tim. Thank you very much for letting us work through this. Um, the fact is you should be aware that that's on our minds. It is on our minds. Yeah. Um, it, it sh- and I think it should be for anybody. If you're, if you're in a room and it's a little hot, you say, should I get out of this room? Well, <laughs> and, and, and when you say, so it would be unfair to say exit from the church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exit from un- pe- unhealthy yes. churches or, yes. you know, or, or a way of thinking about church. Right. So mm-hmm. we'll come back to that in a second, but, but make no mistake, what we were saying to the first question in a way, you can't really master happiness and you really can't keep to too much joy if you don't get some allies. In this life, you by yourself get crushed. This is the nature of the kingdom of God, the church, the ecclesia, the people called out. The early church had to share their goods and their money because they were disempowered by becoming Christians often to mm. be able to do the right thing, I to see. be able to leave so the other gonna ways. So if you're going to stand up to the system. Yeah. You need the church. You need a community but the of question people is, to back so, you up. So Tim, we're never going to leave the church, but mm. we might deny that a certain body deserves the title. That is and true. that's always on the table. That's what Luther did. So the email continues. 
it is the body of Christ and is filled with the same twisted sensationalists, tribalists, inherently selfish SOBs, and self-important demagogues as your local Walmart. And this is true. This is true. And the only problem is Walmart also is a Molech type beast, yeah. right? So if you're saying yes, when you, and, and this is, this is something we heard a lot, which I think part of this is related to abuse in the church, right? So what Tim is saying is right. That one thing we shouldn't do is say, oh, well, look, the church is especially bad because it's got people doing these bad things. When in fact, those things are happening in Hollywood and the police force and your local PTA and the athletics team and the gymnasts and, and it is. Yeah. But the problem with the church version of it is that it comes with a metaphysical load so that not only are you not feeling loving about yourself, right? Like if, if you are, if you are degraded in Hollywood, if you are, if your soul is, is beaten down so in the Hollywood, place you should be able to go yeah. to right. is the church. Yes. It's but that instead, spot. They have, just as dirty, if not dirtier, tactics. But the tactics are dirty because of that vulnerability and because God, right? Yeah, God's on the a, side. So a, the religious side, yeah. and therefore it's more dangerous. It's more dangerous. It's like sex and religion are dangerous. They're also wonderful. <laughs> but you got to do it right, right? <laughs> you got to do it right. Anyway, keep going. PYMP has not been a source of encouragement for me. You are taking the heart, in all caps, out of me. That made us sad. Yeah, it really did. That's not what we want. Yeah, I'm not trying to take the heart out of mm-hmm. anybody. In fact, I'm. If anything, I'm. I would like. I would hope that trying to give some spiritual CPR. Yeah, that <laughs> get that, that heart beaten. And that, yes, not out. But hey, I want to keep listening. What I'm hearing is more behavior modification, just into a different woke model. And I will say, thank you, Tim. Uh, we definitely like some woke things. <laughs> now, there's this thing called woke culture that people complain really about. Really quick, and, yeah. it, and it just ends because this is the end of this one email. It says, I hurt. Yeah, period. yeah, and that's, that's, that's heavy. Um, the, the, there is a wokeness. There is a, a way in which people now say, uh, I'm going to demonstrate that I'm better than you. I'm now above you on the hierarchy. But in this case, it's because I know more of the, the proper terminology about uh, social justice issues or whatever. And, uh, and yeah, well, here's a behavioral modification though, that I'd like people to have is to, um, stop abusing people in church. Right. So because this is such a big problem, I'm not really that worried about, uh, people modifying their behavior so that they don't go to hell. I'm worried about people that are trapped in a living hell because people won't stop doing the things that are in need of modification. This is reducing harm. And uh, that's what this is about. And so this is not about salvation. And so sometimes when people get kind of caught up in this, these questions of morality, they think, oh, this is just legalism. Like now, can't we just have a church where we're all recognizing that we're sinners saved by grace? Why, why complain about this stuff? Well, the reason you complain about it is because there's also just general prudence in life. Right. So like if um, if you're asking, am I still too angry when I shouldn't be angry? Well, that's yeah, let's 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 work on that. Um, Do you love the right things? Let's work on that. You know, let's get our hearts aligned in the right direction. But there are some things that are criminal behaviors. 
Mm-hmm. And for some reason, religion some, sometimes gets, gets in the way of actually addressing illegal behaviors. Yeah. And then there's also just spiritual abuse and so forth. Anyway, so we did not like the fact that here's this guy. I mean, we liked that he said it, but, but our listener is saying he hurts. Yeah. And well, we took and his heart out. The other thing, too, um, more behavior modification. And I guess some of that, what I'm thinking is, is like, uh, you know, like I know there's a lot of times where things can come across as like self help, you know? Right. It's almost like, you, you know, here's a whole to do list of things you can do to work on yourself. I'm talking about something deeper than that. When I'm talking about helping yourself out of a hole. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. not just uh, this little, you know, to-do list. So, yeah, like if if all that if all there is is like this, you think it's like another added to-do list of ways that you need to change how you're acting or whatever. Yeah, I mean, no, nah, we don't need there's more of something, that. There's something that's religion deeper in the bad sense. Yeah, there's something. But deeper. I would say, Stacy, don't you think that the 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 key here though is that the reason we sometimes stay in bad religions too long in cults and abusive marriages or whatever is because of this very feeling that Tim's feeling. That is to confront this reality. What if we're right, Tim? What if there is a sense in which you've been sold a bill of goods? What if what you were thinking was going to be your lifeline really isn't your lifeline? Yeah. You have to keep that on the table, even though it's terrifying. And so we are going to look in this mirror. We're going to say, all right, if we're doing it wrong, we'll repent. But what we do need to recognize is regardless of whether we're right or, right or not about the state of the church or, or how we should proceed, we have to be con- confronting these things. We have to get courageous enough to confront these really difficult emotions that come up. So then we said, hey, well, tell us how you hurt. We... we we don't want you to be hurting. Can you explain a little bit more? And uh, he elaborates. Yeah, I just basically said, please tell me more how you hurt. And I said, uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't deserve, you know, to hear. But what I meant by that is I didn't owe it. Like, he doesn't owe it to us. Sorry. Right. He didn't, like, he, who, he doesn't have to explain how he hurts yeah. if he doesn't want to. It would I, just be a gift to us. It would be a gift, yes. Um and so then he, this, he continues, I tried three times and deleted page after page of a Word doc before I settling on what I did. As to deserving, I suppose you are referring to my exit strategy comment. Jeff often says things suggesting that chucking it is an option, even as recently as the Emily Joy episode. Maybe I'm as jaded as PYMP makes the two of you seem to me, but your guests so often seem to hate the church and while outfoxing religious wolves inherently sets up an adversarial expectation with segments of organized uh, religion broadly, I can't bring to mind examples of the podcast where you go someplace or talk to somebody who is orthodox and also passes muster with your filter. That's an interesting... I want to pause there for a second. That's an interesting question. I don't have to think about it. Now, the thing that we've been doing this year is we're trying to get voices from largely outside of the the main narrative. That's what we've been doing with well, our friends old and new. And often, a lot of times too, it's just whoever, you know, contacts us. It, yeah. Those are often, you know, people that we'll also yep. reach out to and yep. talk to. You and know? this is the conversation. So I will also say, friends, this cannot be your only diet. Yeah. That's why we do, that's why we kind of broke our lives up into two things, dowsurfers.com 
com and protectyournoggin.org. Dow Surfers is ultimately this the kind of the website and like the presence for the things that are positive um, momentum wise. Mm-hmm. You know, like workshops on how to and how to like minimalism and 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 spirituality that's healthy and so forth trying to build it back up protect your noggin what we're doing here is not the only thing you should be listening to friends but this is where we're trying to amplify voices that maybe have been squashed so the reason we're not getting more orthodox mainstream that voice has been heard we're we're, we're going to the marginalized we're going to those that don't really ever have a platform and i want to hear it i want to hear what they're saying and i want to hear what they're saying because also unfortunately that's what we do we we do what we do because of the number of people that come in our lives and are feeling these levels of pain and the other thing i'll it's say it's not like it's not like 50 percent of the people are like i'm just so happy about this the way the structure is working or whatever we, and then the other half and we're picking the one no we've been a part of many <laughs> different denominations and you know, obviously even non-denominational churches and things. Um, and what we're also picking up on is this stuff is across the board. It really yes. doesn't matter where you find yourself, what tradition you find yourself in. Yes. That you're going to be able to find this stuff <laughs> in all of it. Yes. So. Yeah. And, and. It will look a little different sometimes. It, but it does, it, there's some similarities. And the point of this show is identifying those powers, those, those spirits, those demons that are hostile takeovers of the church, right? This is the problem. They're stealing your Jesus logo. They're stealing the name Bible. There's, I mean, there are people that want to steal for nefarious ends the, the good image of church. Yeah. And sometimes they're just straight up scams, and sometimes they're there to devour you. Sometimes it's antichrist. Yeah. So we do apologize if, uh, if we haven't made it clear enough. This particular show is calling out antichrist. Yeah. Now. That's what our kind of our game is here. But it's not the only thing we do, friends. We also like to body surf. <laughs> and, and I will say that, you know, you're, you don't. You have to be just left with, with all of those demons and bad guys. No. <laughs> there are, there are, there we are communities yes. out there that right. actually do their, their right. We're not just harping on stuff. We're trying to say communities. you see it so you can steer clear. Kind of like when the dog got the, the rattlesnake training, she smell, smells the rattlesnake. But if you haven't steps to the side and walks down the path, if you haven't felt it, experienced it or seen it and you're and that's what you're desiring. I'm begging you to please keep looking. Yeah. Please keep looking. Yes. Yeah. We're not saying chuck it. We're saying chuck the chuck the bad one. Yes. Whatever I'll... is going on right now. And you'd say, well, I've tried that three times. Maybe uh, like serial serial dating is not what we're after here. Maybe it's getting to that inner peace first and then building. Well, and that's and that really is out. what it is because yeah. unfortunately, until you deal with the inner peace piece, <laughs> you're going to yeah. keep looking for a different if group. If you hate yourself and, and you don't respect yourself, then the next, it's like the next you just have, bad relationship is going to be another sect. There are some people that really do know that they can manipulate others and there are other people that just learned it and yep. it works and it they get people they to do what they it. want yes by acting in this way that's right it's almost unconscious yeah and so so he says i i hurt in part because you are right about the hero worship and protectionism which exists in evangelical churches and movements 
the Ravi Zacharias thing about destroyed my confidence, and I found myself creating scenarios where the differing views of sex between Asian and European slash American sensibilities could explain, not justify, the idea of, of bringing an Asian woman to help him with his needs in a non-judgmental way. I don't like that my protective instinct dreamed that up. And it's good. I appreciate that that he's seeing because that's what we're trying to do. Say like this is this is a natural function. We 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 have these thoughts that aren't right thoughts, but they're self justifying or they're justifying. So sometimes, the system, system yeah, and, so, so, and sometimes too, if you can take the humanity out of the people, right, right, and turn them into abstractions. But it makes it easier for us to deal with an unpleasant reality that this right. hero is letting us down. Right, yeah, it's and, very natural. Right, it's not. That's not pretty. He recognizes it, but it's natural. And that's what we're, you know, it's one of the things we're talking about on the show. I heard over building programs and underthought Sunday school lessons, which reinforce stupid maxims. Sure. <laughs> and you know what? And not only, not only stupid, but they're harmful. That's, Sometimes, yeah. They can be. And they seem innocuous, yeah. but you know, like, you know, so many little things that aren't biblical, but. Well, and, and there's, you know, anyway, um, I, I just think that, there's just so many times when you have, well, like, you know, God is watching you, you know, and it's like <laughs> yeah. God becomes, Jesus is on the cross cause yeah. you didn't clean up your desk. Right. Like there's sometimes where there's like, you know, like God becomes Santa Claus or something, you know, or I don't know, but, um, or the boogeyman. Yeah. Um, anyway, I heard over alliteration, rhyme or cadence being substituted for wisdom and truth. Empty rhetoric. Yeah. I hurt over sin being justified or reframed as righteousness. Amen. I hurt over music I can identify as Christian before the first word. That's not the spirit. It's copy and paste production. Yeah. And that is so true. That's so true. Yeah. Amen. I hurt over my children migrating, in all caps, away from Christian and toward, in all caps, internet cultural brainwashing, dot, 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 that my 14-year-old daughter thinks that the homosexuality depicted in her anime show is adorable. Yeah. Now that is different from church. Now we're talking about the world, mm -hmm. right? Or like the secular world or like the, the larger culture. A couple other things I want to say here too. I mean, I, I would imagine everybody listening should know this, but you can't make somebody gay <laughs> yeah you just can't you can only and you can only open the door to ask the question and then it feels like you know what i'm saying oh you know the culture has opened this up it's it's really more a matter of just people being more comfortable talking about their reality right then i have another thing i want to mention for anybody else that finds themselves, you know, with their, their children watching a show and calling something adorable. And, mm -hmm. um, sometimes it can be that they're testing the waters. Yeah. It, it's not always the case, but it could be, or maybe even they're waiting to see they what may you're not, thinking. They may not even, maybe that's not even like on their radar, but when they heard your knee jerk reaction to this proposition, Right. You became an unsafe person to have a conversation to with. conversation. Yes. Yeah. Whether it's for them, whether it's for their friend, whether it no, whoever is in their life. Right. There's some conversations 
that are not going to happen now. Now, Jeff and Stacy get to have those conversations sometimes yes. because people come from backgrounds and families and so forth where they can't speak freely. Yeah. Because they think that it's always there's there's always a uh, there's always a line that they could cross with their beliefs, their thoughts, their perceptions that is going to get them booted out of love. And as long as that's ex- as long as that exists, people are the people very often young people will will kind of tease out things with parents. They say, how, how comfortable are they with this? And how are they going to respond to this mm-hmm. person online or this character in the movie? And that's going to be how I'm going to be treated if I were in that same spot. Right. So it's... Or a similar spot. You know, and, and maybe it's not... Maybe it's not even them. Maybe it's their children. But do you want to be written out of the lives of your grandchildren, perhaps? Like, I don't know where this goes. Yeah. But I am just saying it's... But that's kind of the, you, the concrete reality. You do need to kind of be aware of this. I'm going to continue. Um, I heard over that and that it seems like most of your friends whose names, voices, or stories get on the show are living post-Christian lives newly free from the oppressive institution of the church. None of this give me heart. None of it encourages. On the contrary, it takes the heart out of me. Decrying rule following and law keeping as the lists in the Bible could give rise to. The paradigm suggested by the woke cultural moment, which the two of you and frequent subject matter slash guests reinforce, supplies a new set of rules for righteousness, which is by the new, and that's in parentheses, law, and a pins and needles paranoia reminiscent of China's denunciation culture after the revolution. Virtue in the wasteland helped by glimpse sometimes. So this was this kind of stuff came up in Virtue in the Wasteland. So that's right. the last piece gotcha. I just wanted to do. Okay. Justice to the whole piece. Yeah. I said we wouldn't right. edit it. Right. This actually is this is a, an important thing to pay attention to, especially uh, for our, our woke friends. <laughs> um, that that sometimes yeah, if this becomes a new law, then it's not very effective as it's communicated. That's that's no joke. And just trying to catch people saying it wrong, that's not the game, right? You know, um, trying to bust people for not using the correct language or having the right views. That's not a very charitable place. I'd like to contend, however, for our podcast that at least maybe since this email came out, we had a couple other people that didn't fit any neat boxes, but definitely were pro-church, right? Um, uh, You know, we had Jonathan Hoyt, who is very happily part of the church has things that he would like addressed, you know, but really is is very content as a conservative Lutheran guy, um, theologically mm-hmm. and with his church. Um, you know, Greg Eilers, despite probably wishing that he could be in the pulpit uh, at, at some level, um, wants to be in the pulpit because he loves the Lutheran church. And is one of the reasons we had him on is because uh, in addition to have, having a, you know, relationship that went back a ways. Um, I always just found it interesting that that uh, Greg's uh, gender dysphoria would have been so much easier had he just not cared about six days of creation. Mm-hmm. Doesn't believe in evolution, so doesn't really want to go 
to a church that he doesn't agree with and his family doesn't agree with theologically. Mm-hmm. And, and that's always been the most poignant part of it. Here's a good orthodox, straight as an arrow, theologically speaking person that, that is trying to be a good dutiful servant to this yes. thing that just can't see a way to love him. Uh, or at least uh, it, it's been difficult, mm-hmm. right? And um, and so you know, just as a just a, as a matter of you know, kind of the p- point of clarity on the the facts of it, these are the sticking points. These are difficult issues, but everybody's still, you know, it, with the exception definitely of uh, you know Emily Joy can get she can get fired up, mm-hmm. but that's be, you know well, and that's been where she's been, right? I mean, that has a lot to do with it. Well, and I would you know also say. You know, Casey is a yeah. is a pastor. He's chosen to stay yep. in a church and pastor a church. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have our friend Heather Davis. We've had her. Yep. On. She's looking very, you know, to keep bringing together arts and in, yep. in the churches. In the church. Yeah. But there's discontent and there's some observations of problems, and that's and that's okay. And in fact, that's the culture that's going to help us. If we can get to a culture where we're able to examine and repent, that's different from wokeness. But except woke means to wake up and repent means to wake up. So, uh, yeah, we'll go for some, uh, repent culture, some woke culture. Come to your senses. Luther says is the trans, uh, the best translation for metanoiate. Wake up, repent, come to your senses. It's cool. It's not a new law. Get your eyes opened. Yeah. That's what the deal is. Right. But I do agree. Listen, here's the deal. This is where it's going to be poignant. You probably, you may disagree with us. Yeah. You, our read on things might be different from your read on things, Tim. And for you listeners, I'm sure that's true for a lot of you guys. I can't believe half of you have stayed with us for so long. We're taking you on a wild ride if you were expecting this to be, you know, just uh, just your, your, your normal bo- boilerplate, you know, religion and culture conversation. I mean, we're really just, I mean, honestly, we're just going through this this whole thing it's a, it's even sort of like self exploration yeah like, that's what this is you, and you know, get to join us if you know right and i think that there's so many times when you know we've had some of these conversations on the side with folks uh and i am just grateful that the people that have camp come on and been our guests and been willing to throw themselves out That's, there I don't know in how. all of the ways that they have it's so like that, getting pantsed in dc so you listeners can actually get a a little window into what is going on in their lives. These are real people, real human beings with real families. You know, I mean, we're trying to humanize. We're trying to bring empathy so that we can heal. You can't heal unless you have empathy. You can't, you can't heal unless you have concern. I want to hear people's stories. That's it. You know? Um, and, and it's unfortunate that there is, is, much as there is that is focusing on the bad, but that's, I I think it's, if we, if we just keep creating band-aids over these things, these wounds fester and it's not just, you know, I, I, there was somebody I was explaining and I basically, you know, the idea of mold, because I even saw it on one of our shows too, but them. Yeah. Um, that mold grows, you know, so fast and once it like kind of takes over it like takes over a house like by the time that you're seeing the surface yeah by the time that you're seeing a piece of the mold there's there's a deeper part to it black mold means it's already shot out its spores so oopsie daisy right and so when you you know when you finally get to the point where 
you know, we were just going to do a little bit of spring cleaning. <laughs> yeah. And then we didn't we realize, we didn't realize how yeah. much this mold has taken over in so many different so arms season three, ourselves. Yeah. Season everything. three was supposed to be about the Tao Te Ching. Like, right. We're like going, Hey, here, like here's some like kind of I platforms to start stepping forward, but we're still now realizing. I didn't expect to find as, as much mold in my own life. Like I did not know how much there, how much there is that I needed and still need to work through. And at some point we'll stop scrubbing. <laughs> But if well, we see more, we're going to keep pulling back some, you right. know, because pieces again, of the panel. Because that's honestly, the, that's the only way that you can find that piece upon piece. Yeah. If I'm going to slap, if I'm going to slap some, uh, some, uh, some paint and some spackle and over it, it's not going to get the job done. If there's more to look into, if there's more, I just, we're going to keep going. I'm going to keep digging. And friends will also continue to translate, uh, our, our nice paraphrase, our fun and playful, but very serious, in another sense, uh, translation of the Tao Te Ching. Um, we're almost, ha- we're more than halfway done. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's uh, partly what keeps us going. Um, is, there a, is there any more? Did he do another uh, follow-up email? There is. Um, so I asked if we could, you know, use his email and um, answer it on air. And then he said, one want to mention so he says i don't mind being used as long as you quote me in full it made me sad tim yeah. to think of um i don't know the thought of you maybe feeling like you're being used um i i don't know i i think that all of these things are it's important to talk through yeah. even you know whatever these are I mean, and this even, is how we do it dude we're loquacious it's easier than writing you in, a note with an email because that <laughs> right. We do the same thing. We would like re- redo like four versions or something. Well, that's the other thing too is that once you know, once we see there's like some of these questions, then right. there's it's it's You're, he's one not of the many. only one. He's just he's he's been very articulate about these things that other people are asking. So I have just read a series of articles by NZ Pastor Doctor Alan Jameson in Reality Magazine, and he gives a link here. We'll link to it. And with the issues. Sounds like it's a great thing to read. Where he shared the findings of interviews with people who had left evangelical, Pentecostal, and charismatic churches or were on their way to doing so. If you are unfamiliar with his research, you may find it informative to your own discussions. As far as my own issues, I feel like I'm on my way out, as does my wife of 30 years. Much of what we have spent our lives believing is, is at hazard and the Bible itself is on the block. If that goes, I have no core. As a hollow man, I do not know how to navigate world, world of ideas having no lens outside of my senses through which to decide on a truth grid. I get it. Okay, can I pause here? This is, this is a very poignant, and I understand the, the question, I think, uh, issue. Which is, all right, if then we jump to this just dispensing with the Bible, this thing that's the bedrock or a compass for life and so forth, uh, then, then we're lost, we're adrift. And I do understand that, that, that that's the way we've been taught, but I want to go back into something else. That's not necessarily the way the early church would have thought of it. That the early church was a bunch of people holding this, um, this Bible and that's, that was their hope like the thing that they were holding. No, the thing that they were holding was a testament to the thing that they were, that they were carrying in their selves in, inside. You, Tim, as a follower of Jesus, you are the 
body. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. You aren't hollow. You are the fullness. You aren't the absence. You are the presence. This is all we're trying to say that, yes, I understand maybe what that means. Maybe you feel hollow. Maybe you recognize there's sin in all parts of you. Yes, yes, yes. But you are the temple of Yahweh's presence. You are the presence of God. You are the royal priesthood. You are, you are the church. You're not hollow. You're it. You're where it's at. So stand tall, my friend. Like you don't need the culture's acceptance of a book to be that inner strength and presence and that follower, that disciple of the, the Lord Jesus. You don't need, you don't need to think of yourself as hollow. That's the, that's what we're trying to get to. In fact, because if all of our, there was a strength if, if all you. of our values, if everything that we hold dear comes just completely from outside, right? The, there is, that can be manipulated. Yes. What the Bible says or how we're supposed to deal with it is that can be manipulated, but that inner knowing of the, the, the reality. Like yeah. When you're reading the Bible on this part and you're like, okay, <laughs> this is it. This is the good word. This is the good news. They can't take that from you. No. And you're not hollow. You are the, you're hollow. Like I think the doubt of Jing wants you to be hollow because what does the doubt of Jing say, Stacy? The, the, the empty space in the cup is what makes, makes it, it useful. useful. Yeah. So your emptiness is to be filled with the fullness, the fullness. Keep going. Though I have no personal investment, I had placed a high degree of confidence in RZIM and its team and in the personal integrity of Ravi. The quotation of gentleness and respect that Jay Vitali intoned during intros and outros produced in me a finally yeah, response. I totally get it. Finally, sorry, someone man. who listens and responds, yeah. not with a canned, intimidating, demeaning, or irrelevant dribble of words. To then learn that method, morality and claims were false, was deeply unsettling. Yeah. It does not, of course, mean that it's false, although it is, as we've been exploring, systematic. But there are a lot of people... Uh, a lot of people that came along and said, hey, this is great. There is money and there is a conversation going on. So let's bring some of these good thinking conversations to Ravi Zacharias Ministries. And this, is, of course, is the problem. We sometimes say, well, then if that, if that we can't see the, the sin there because it makes us think that we're going to have to ditch the whole thing. Now, maybe there's something inherent in the structure, as we've been looking at. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that generosity and that inquisitiveness and that curiosity and that thinking that's why I started the show saying, hey, my actual life, as I go back to it, I was encouraged by the church to use my critical reasoning when it was about cults, mm -hmm. you know, when it was about multi-level right. marketing schemes Not or governments couldn't turn, turn, turn the tools back on ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happened, by the way, with the Reformation. They were studying Aristotle and they were putting together critical editions of Aristotle and then they did it to the Bible and they just realized they had made mistakes. Mm. They didn't stop believing in the Bible, but they stopped believing in the church's version of it. That's kind of where it's at, friends. That's the constant reformation need of any follower of Jesus. That word is chosen for the shaky ground on which I stand. A churchman my entire life, I have led worship, taught classes, and raised my children in the evangelical tradition. 
I believe in heaven and hell and that there are ways to get to each. At least I think I believe that. Religion might be the single greatest power for moving people on earth and as such is the tool of power. Yep century after century and if ours was crafted for that purpose by people who wanted to accrue power and keep it what is the purpose of continuing as a species ah ah that's interesting if that's the only way we can do it you know but that is interesting yeah because religion is that great power we're with you on that well and i think because religion is powerful that it is used as, it can be used as a tool to manipulate people and that's why yeah and that's why we got to pay attention to it right but as a species there have been different ways that people have navigated spirituality i think it's not really as dire as you might think in one sense tim christendom is falling but the the jesus movement was never really all that comfortable shouldn't have been with christendom christendom being European power and then Jesus mascot. Yeah. Who gives a dot, 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 insert your own invective. If we survive another generation, come on Thanos. So yeah, like, right. This is like race suicide. This is, uh, this is, uh, anti-natalism. There's no reason to continue a civilization. So this kind of thinking though, this kind of thinking is, is what we're trying to stem, stem against. Right. Because what you're saying is like, we can't confront these things. Essentially, if you go with your logic, we can't confront these things because then like we're all just, well, then we just got to blow the whole thing up. But when you start to see a piece of like the way you see the world come a little bit unraveled, right. that um, how, like, like how much that can just almost right there, stop a person in yeah, their tracks and they don't like, know what to do Yeah, because it, it just feels like they don't know. I, I guess maybe they keep thinking that the thread will just keep pulling and pulling and pulling till there's nothing. Nothing. I get it. This is exactly what moms and thirteen-year-old daughters end up saying in societies where they they do female genital mutilation. They'd say, if we stop doing this practice, this traditional practice, the world will end, and in a way, it will. Right. In some sense, if you let these NGOs or Western aid workers come in and say, you're not, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't do the female genital mutilation. That's good. I think we think that's good. But we also then say, uh, but also you're going to be addicted to Pepsi <laughs> and, and cheap, and cheap television up. or what? Yeah. Right. There's like all this other stuff. The world will end. Like everything is not worth living anymore after that. Right. Like, so what's worse? I'm not saying I, I, I just, vehemently oppose female genital mutilation. But the idea is that from the society's standpoint, from a traditional society's standpoint, that when, when you let go of one thing, like the doctrine of hell, everything starts to unravel for people. Like when, when our friend, uh, uh, Peter in, um, in Denver, when he said that he didn't believe in hell anymore, one of the reasons that he, I think, lost his job wasn't just heresy. It was just people stopped coming to church because they were going out of fear of hell. Yeah. Right? So it, if that's why it was a going. nice church, but like, well, I, I was just fear of punishment, hope of reward. But this is the ethical problem. This is what Virtue in the Wasteland was supposed to be doing. That's what we were after is to say, this idea that Christians have that the only reason I'm good is so that I don't get in trouble or that I get a reward, that's really dangerous because the minute that that motive goes away, then we're evil. It's not internalized. That's, that's how this evil happens. And here's my answer. I mean, I know it's easy to say and hard to, to feel, but 
Um, the reason I don't kill is because I see the humanity in somebody's eyes. It's because I love, right? right. So not because I don't. Not because you don't think you can get away with it. Yeah. Not because you secretly want to. No, but right. You're just like, like you know, heal your heart, like friends. All of I know. I have so many friends that say this. If I was allowed to do anything I wanted to do, it would be wicked. I'd be terrible. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> heal that. I mean, you maybe can't heal yourself. I mean, you got to get to that. But like, really? You you want to be cruel? You want? To win over people, you don't, if I see in every other human being that they and I are one, then I will, I will want their joy. I want their best. It's totally possible, friends. What's best for them. being downcast and being depressed and need meds, there's all things that you can't fix. But you can fix like jealousy, right? I was over, I was over at, uh, I was over at uh, Sean Bignami's house. Sean Bignami has... Uh, like some, it, basically his property is kind of like our property, only he has a big cool house on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And instead of, instead of like unknown, like wilderness behind us, he's got it all parked out. So he's got like, right. on the, he's just got literally our property, but like thousands of times better. <laughs> and it just put a smile on my face. And there would have been a time when I would have felt a uh, dread and longing and, and jealousy but it's not that I'm a stronger person or a better person. I just realized I want Sean to be happy. Yeah. I'm happy that he's happy. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Why that... should I be said? Why, why on earth would that take anything from me? Right. Jealousy is all ego. Jealousy is all that distance between what I'm not content with. Well, if I'm content in myself, as soon as you are aware of that, like I love living in our truck camper this summer, you know, yeah. I don't need, I don't need to be tied down to the property. But the idea is that, that the question I understand Right? Like, what do we do if it all goes away? But if we don't care about justice and mercy, if we don't care about love, yeah, then maybe, maybe there is some nihilistic struggle to go through. But I don't believe that. Well, and, and then that's, you know, you kind of go back, love. go back to that Bodhisattva vow. And yeah. so for us, it's that love that we want, we want for everybody. And yeah. we don't want to give up trying to help like promote this yeah this goodness truth and beauty this beautiful we, thing Tim, and, we and want you and your wife to healing. be dancing and joyful with your kids and celebrating the way of jesus in your lives and the healing power and the presence of that joy like that's what it's and, about and i want to be clear here that truth is not subjective i would say that the pieces that do need that that can become unraveled is not part of truth truth it's people's constructs surrounding it right so whatever stands whatever there is when the after the unraveling happens that's truth start looking at that that's the word that was before all time that's the logos that is the one who was before abraham that is the Tao. And when you see it, you know it. You know it. You, you just know it. It. You don't need to... I mean, people's fake versions of it just yeah. kind of can make you smile sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And make you mad, actually, yeah. then when you start to see right. like the people that they're hurting in the process. Is that the end of his email? Um, no. What is morality and why do I care if it doesn't really come from God? Ravi's claim that Christianity provides... A, and then in parentheses, the only coherent 
set of answers to the eternal questions of origin, purpose slash meaning, morality, and destiny was a source of stability for me. My entire way of looking at life is wrapped around an understanding of God and what his existence means to us creatures. And if that has dissolved, my 55-year-old integrated person no longer has connective tissue. I am a pile of disparate facts, or not facts, with no fasteners and no plan for constructing the rest of my life. Please, oh, please don't read that Ravi broke my heart. His manifest falsity was another layer in a long, culminating crap lasagna, which began with having to refute to my oldest child, now married and 28, much of what was handed down at our large non-denominational church service as Christian teaching. I want to pause real fast. I know it's hard. We've been talking about this with our kids, too. Like, sorry for not stepping in on some bad Sunday school stuff or whatever. But it's really nice for Aiden to kind of say, yeah, he understands. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay. I, I think it's really one of the most beautiful things to be able to, to say, hey, we've changed our minds on some things or we, you know, we, we wish we wouldn't have exposed you to that version of it or something. And people will forgive that. They understand that, you know, because that's saying that you're actually in there for the reality of it. Right. That's, that's a confidence in truth. Being able to change your mind is because you're confident in truth. When you don't change your mind, that's when you think you're just making it up. For several years, I went to church hopeful and went home angry. That Sorry. happened yeah. many times to Pay us, attention. too. Yeah. Receiving no satisfaction in a pastoral session that important issues would be dealt with, we parted ways and traveled for O-worship and community t to an affiliated congregation quite a distance away. Over time, what we perceive as narcissism in one leader and emphasis on momentary revelation in all of them squeezed our leave trigger on that situ situation as well. These sojourns were for 18 and 16 years respectively. We aren't flighty. But over time with the death of an infant, the failures of leadership to deal with what seemed obvious flaws, even after being made aware, adultery in leaders, flat, long, boring church services, <laughs> were hype about how wonderful the thing just said was mm -hmm. and how momentous every occasion was and warnings about how our attitudes would hinder revival, etc. We said goodbye to our friends and went looking. We ended up at a low-key Pentecostal church where some other friends had attended and our at-home children have developed a few friendships there. We were unengaged, and my wife tells me that my criticism of the organization, its structure and practice, practices, has pretty much soured her on it all. But that's not her whole story. We have one daughter, married, who no longer considers herself a Christian. A son who experiences same-sex attraction and is desperately trying to hang on to some semblance of faith with godly YouTube Q&A shows and three more who seem ambivalent to the whole thing, though their few in-person friends are from church. The three youngest are thoroughly brined in whatever the internet is identifying as morality this week and finding it increasingly out of line with our raising of them. We don't want our children to end their existence in a hell we don't know whether to believe in. That's poetic, man. <laughs> that's, a state, that's a statement of, of, of the scene. 
for a lot of parents. And when it's your kids, see, you got that responsibility. You know, that's heavy. Is that the end of it? No. Okay. By the testimony of many of your guests, we are the problem. We are holding a set of standards tied to an interpretation of scripture, of the will of God for humanity walking, and of how all that portends for eternity, which is toxic. I hate the very sound of that hackneyed appellation and that they should flee. In this respect, the tact you and Jeff have taken with PYNP has indeed taken the heart out of me. The only hope I've experienced in this regard in quite a while was from the third of the above referenced articles by Jameson, where he describes post-church communities of dawns, dawn with institutional churches, where honesty is encouraged and nothing is off the table and where people can change their minds about things. Most of the people in the NZ groups he contacted either have or want a vibrant faith, but not the buildings and the prejudices that come with it. What I wonder now, though, in our cultural moment, is if it is possible to find people who can have these discussions and become friends with people of different belief slash opinion. This is long enough. I'm going to send it before I start editing again. Mm-hmm. Have a good night. All right. Best regards and blessings. To oh, that's kind of, um, and blessings to you back. Listen, uh, so, so you're, you're, you're onto something here with the piece about, about that space, that hopeful space where you are shoulder to shoulder looking at what the truth is with your kids and you give them the dignity and the agency and the respect to have their opinions fully brought to that conversation. And you're going to bring your perspectives to that conversation. And you're going to be, as you said, open to changing your mind, open in uh, the door for other people to change their mind. Because the fact is, as you know, there's nothing to be done about it at a practical level. We've seen it done. Nobody can yell their kids back into the door. No. You just can't do it. You can't. There's only one way. You can romance them back into love and truth and beauty. Just got to make sure it's beautiful, loving, and truthful. And that's the mark of the gospel. Right. So if you really got the real deal, you see, this is, a, this is what faith's about. That core thing. That core of what Jesus was talking about. It's unconditional love. Yeah. And if you feel that, then the rest of it, then your, your mistakes in woke culture can be absolved. You know, it seems like, you know, we say unconditional love, but then we put so many conditions on what we think that looks like. I mean, unconditional love has absolutely no conditions. Yeah. I mean, really think about that. And we want to put all sorts of conditions so that people will have the love. Yes. Now, of I, unconditional yeah, love. And, and this is, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it is kind of crazy that we do that. That's what a lot of my students get. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it, right? Like, that, that kind of God's not worsh- worth worshiping. So, so the question of hell and so forth. Right now, there's people in a living hell for sure, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and there is such a thing as judgment. And, Absolutely. And if there's any worth, if, if it's worth worshiping the God of the universe because the God of the universe is good, then we can be very content that what is will be right, that all will be well and all manner of things shall be well. 
and it will be well for you. It may not be easy, but it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay because you are okay. My friend, I know it doesn't feel that way. It feels like everything's kind of like rattling. You know, it's kind of like when our vehicle's going over the washboard on those beautiful, beautiful desert roads, but all the little Loctite missing screws start to come out and it, it's a scary feeling. We want to keep things intact. But when you let go, if you learn to die to all that other stuff before you die, you won't have to die in the deepest sense. You can touch that eternity and you can help the journey of your family that you love towards that space. And you and can all. be the presence of the kingdom here on earth. I mean, that's the kingdom of, of heaven is here. For all of you friends, therefore, you want to get to happiness? We're rooting for you. Mm-hmm. You want to see spaces of joy? Yeah, we're rooting for you. And that's there for you. It's all on the bedrock. Of peace. Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? That's because you found this letter low too much.